and unconscious balance. You have to live it. A city man blunders along on smooth floors all his life, steady floors with earth-normal gravity, and will trip over a cigarette paper like as not. Not so a spaceman. See what I mean? I asked, slipping back into my seat. I'm afraid I do, he admitted sourly. Did I walk like that? Yes. Hmm. Maybe I should take lessons from you. You could do worse, I admitted. He sat there looking me over, then started to speak, changed his mind, and wiggled a finger at the bartender to refill our glasses. When the drinks came, he paid for them, drank his, and slid out of his seat, all in one smooth motion. Wait for me, he said quietly. With the drink he had bought sitting in front of me, I could not refuse, nor did I want to. He interested me. I liked him, even on ten minutes' acquaintance. He was the sort of big, ugly, handsome galoot that women go for and men take orders from. He threaded his way gracefully through the room and passed a table of four Martians near the door. I didn't like Martians. I did not fancy having a thing that looks like a tree trunk tossed off by a sun helmet claiming the privileges of a man. I did not like the way they grew pseudo-limbs. It reminded me of snakes crawling out of their holes. I did not like the fact that they could look all directions at once without turning their heads, if they had had heads, which of course they don't, and I could not stand their smell. Nobody could accuse me of race prejudice. I didn't care what a man's color, race, or religion was, but men were men, whereas Martians were things. They weren't even animals, to my way of thinking. I'd rather have had a warthog around me any day. Permitting them in restaurants and bars used by men struck me as outrageous. But there was the treaty, of course, so what could I do? These four had not been there when I came in, or I would have whiffed them. For that matter, they certainly could not have been there a few moments earlier when I had walked to the door and back. Now there they were, standing on their pedestals around a table, pretending to be people. I had not even heard the air conditioning speed up. The free drink in front of me did not attract me. I simply wanted my host to come back so that I could leave politely. It suddenly occurred to me that he had glanced over that way just before he had left so hastily, and I wondered if the Martians had anything to do with it. I looked over at them, trying to see if they were paying attention to our table. But how could you tell what a Martian was looking at, or what it was thinking? That was another thing I didn't like about them. I sat there for several minutes fiddling with my drink, and wondering what had happened to my spaceman friend— I had hoped that his hospitality might extend to dinner, and, if we became sufficiently simpatico, possibly even to a small temporary loan. My other prospects were, I admit it, slender. The last two times I had tried to call my agent, his auto-secretary had simply recorded the message, and unless I deposited coins in the door, my room would not open to me that night. That was how low my fortunes had ebbed, reduced to sleeping in a coin-operated cubicle— In the midst of my melancholy ponderings, a waiter touched me on the elbow. Call for you, sir. Eh? Very well, friend. Will you fetch an instrument to the table? Sorry, sir, but I can't transfer it. Booth twelve is in the lobby. Oh, thank you, I answered, making it as warm as possible, since I was unable to tip him. I swung wide around the Martians as I went out. I soon saw why the call had not been brought to the table— Number twelve was a maximum security booth, sight, sound, and scramble. The tank showed no image and did not clear even after the door locked behind me. 
It remained milky until I sat down and placed my face within pickup. Then the opalescent clouds melted away, and I found myself looking at my spaceman friend. Sorry to walk out on you, he said quickly, but I was in a hurry. I want you to come at once to room 2106 of the Eisenhower. He offered no explanation. The Eisenhower is just as unlikely a hotel for spacemen as Casa Manana. I could smell trouble. You don't pick up a stranger in a bar and then insist that he come to a hotel room. Well, not one of the same sex, at least. Why? I asked. The spaceman got that look peculiar to men who are used to being obeyed without question. I studied it with professional interest. It's not the same as anger. It is more like a thundercloud just before a storm. Then he got himself in hand and answered quietly, Lorenzo, there's no time to explain. Are you open to a job? Do you mean a professional engagement? I answered slowly.